Hey coach, when you think about the beginning of the school year, how do you feel? Unsure? Doubtful? Overwhelmed? You're not alone. Since the dawn of time, instructional coaches have been left to figure things out on their own, resulting in frustration and failure. But it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, let's start the year with a roadmap that tells you exactly what to do each day for the exponentially important first 20 days of school. The things you do that first month of school will make or break your coaching year. Let's do the right things together. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash startup to join the waitlist for my instructional coaching startup course. The course opens in mid-July, but if you join the waitlist, you'll receive a coupon code for 15% off when the course opens up. I can't wait to help you start strong and coach better this year. My favorite summer coaching event is just around the corner and I want to see you there. This is the fifth year of the Simply Coaching Summit, the first virtual conference for coaches, and I've been a part of it every single year. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 10th, 11th, and 12th, and it'll give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, and pre-recorded sessions. I'm giving a workshop about what coaches should do the first couple of weeks of school, focusing on building your coaching menu from start to finish. But there is so much more to this summit that you have to see for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back at school. Check out buzzingwithmissb.com slash summit and I will see you soon. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, and welcome to episode 154 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, we are talking about instructional coaching schedules, and this is part of our Establishing a Coaching Program series. We're continuing this theme about starting strong and creating a really great coaching program from the get-go this school year. Last week, we spoke to Dr. Jan Hasbrick about coaching roles, and today I have a very special episode. We're talking to several different coaches about how they schedule their time. I chose coaches carefully because I wanted them to have different specializations and roles. And I wanted them to share with us about their coaching so we can get some perspective on what goes on at different schools. Time management can be so elusive. And I wanted to speak with different kinds of coaches to shed light on what your schedules could look like. Before we welcome our first guest, I'm going to share a couple of things. First, I want to talk a little bit about the Instructional Coaching with Miss B Facebook group. You can find us if you go to facebook.com and search, click the little magnifying lens and search for instructional coaching with Ms. B. We spent all last week doing our five-day coaching kickstart challenge where we identified our three-by-three vision, our elevator pitch, and our personal coaching message that we can use when times get tough. This will help you start your year strong, so I definitely recommend you check out instructional coaching with Ms. B. I will let you into the group, and then you can check out the challenge from last week and participate because it's still up. The other thing you can do is go to the Instructional Coaching Startup course. That is a brand new course and it opens 
today, if you're listening to this in real time, Monday, the 17th. And I am so excited about this course because it will give you one thing to do every single day for the first 20 days of school in order to set yourself up for a year of coaching success. I give you the video and the audio, and I tell you exactly how to do what you need to do, plus the tools that you need to do it. Go to buzzingwithmsb.com slash startup to grab that course. I cannot wait to see you there because I really believe it's going to support a lot of coaches this year. The other thing I'm going to do before we talk to our guest coaches is I'm going to share a little bit about my schedule when I was a literacy coach on a K-5 campus. So that was my role. I was a literate, I did literacy and social studies, and I was a K-5 coach, and I had a math and science counterpart who did math and science coaching. So my schedule, of course, evolved over time. And so this is my schedule from whenever I was a few years into being a campus coach, and it's a random day, random week in October. Of course, no two weeks look the same. Every week looked different depending on teacher needs and what was going on at our school, but there were certain elements that didn't change and then some that changed every day of the week. Things that pretty much stayed the same every week. There were four things that were kind of like set in stone that I had to work around. One of them was PLC. We had our PLC planning meetings the same day every week. They were on Tuesdays and we would get together uh, with three different grade levels one week and then three other grade levels the next week. And my math and science counterpart would switch with me. So one week I'd have one, three, five, first, third, fifth, and they would have K two, four. And then the next week we would flip. So when I worked with teachers, I knew I was having to help them plan for two weeks because I wasn't going to see them again until two weeks from then. That stayed the same. And each of those sessions was 90 minutes. So it took up the majority of the day, but there was a little chunk of time left that I could pop into classrooms if I needed to. The other thing that stayed the same every week was our data meetings. Each grade level was assigned a, a liaison. And I was a liaison for many years to third grade. And then I became the liaison to fourth grade. And I think that the, the calendar year I'm looking at right here was the year when I was working with um, fourth grade, actually. And so I what we would do is the grade level would choose a day and time to meet for looking at data every week. Now, we didn't always have data to look for to look at. And that was OK, because we didn't have to meet if we didn't have something to look at. But it was always on the calendar and it was a lot easier than adding something to the calendar whenever we had an assessment. We just always knew we were going to look at it at that day and time. We could move the data around if we needed to, but we tried to keep it consistent just because it was more manageable that way. So I met with my grade level one day a week for 45 minutes of their choosing. Usually it was during their conference time that they picked. And we would look at data and talk about how that was going to influence the teaching they were doing in the classroom. And then we could also consider the assessment and what observations we had that would help us during our next planning sessions. The other thing that stayed the same was leadership. And that was a date that day and time that was set at the beginning of the school year every year. This year, I believe they were at seven o'clock on Mondays, which was horrible. And why would we do that to anyone? But that is what was done to me, everybody. Seven o'clock Monday mornings. I remember our principal saying, well, Mondays are already rough. So why don't we just dump them into Monday morning? So there I was early. Everybody else got there at 730. We had to be there at seven. Um, and so that was one of our leadership meetings happened every week. They were generally from about seven to eight 30 or so they were quite lengthy because anything that came from the district, anything that came from the state that had to funnel through the school, all sorts of initiatives, making a plan to support teachers, upcoming stuff, you know, events that we had to figure out all of that happened during leadership meetings. Many of them were working meetings, um, but we did always have to go around and share 
how we were doing with our grade level that we were liaison to, because not only did we look at data with them, we also took a special care with that grade level to make sure that they had a person in a leadership position who was there for them when they needed it. And I do feel like being the liaison to certain grade levels really did deepen my relationship with those specific teachers because I was their go-between for everything. The last thing that didn't change was Learning Thursdays. Learning Thursdays were a one-hour professional development session we had after school every week. And again, we didn't have to have it if we had nothing, but when do you have nothing to learn? There's always something, right? Uh, We also used those whenever we had um, state training for assessments that were coming up, like state assessments, those would go on Learning Thursdays. If we had to learn how to collect writing samples for Telpass, that went on Learning Thursdays. And if we had an open time slot, then we could basically fight it out. <laughs> My math and science person and I and you know our counselor, we could all kind of figure out who needed different things, what we needed to share, and how we could hopefully integrate certain things as well. The things that changed every week were coaching visits. So one day a week for a couple of hours, I'd set aside time to visit classrooms from certain grade levels. I tried not to let two weeks pass by without seeing classrooms from a grade level so I could make sure we were still doing okay, that our data meetings, our PLC meetings that we were planning during those times, that we were actually impacting teaching in the classroom, that kids were responding to the plans that we were making, that our assessments were working. I needed to make sure that what we were doing was functioning in the classroom and so I could see what the teachers were seeing. And that way, I think I honored what they were telling us by making sure that I was in those rooms, seeing what what they were seeing and understanding at a deeper level what they were seeing happen with kids. Um, In addition to that, I could use that information that I gathered from those visits to plan for professional development, which is so important. So classroom work, meeting with teachers, all of those were scheduled as time allowed in my schedule during the week once I marked off my time slots for those four big things that were always the same. So then I'm going to share with you, this is my real life schedule. I don't know why I keep these things, but I do. Um, This is an actual schedule from whenever I worked with teachers and um, it was whenever I was on a campus, one school. And so I'm going to walk you through what I did that week. (laughs) Now, I was not amazing. If you listen to my episode about tracking your coaching time with Chrissy Ogletree Edwards, she's incredible. And she can probably tell you everything she did all of the time. I cannot because I did not document my time that way. So I have my paper calendar, you know, which I, of course, love my paper calendars. I still do. But um, it is flawed in that there are gaps and I can assume what I'd worked on during that time, but I'm not always going to be right. So I'm going to walk you through what I've got in writing starting um, Monday in October. Okay. So seven to nine, of course, was leadership. Blech, okay. And then nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, I have here a meeting with um, a, a group of people who was putting together a new initiative that our school was trying out called Project Lead the Way. And so we actually met together with that little team to develop um, how we were going to approach it, how we're going to align it and integrate art and things like that. So that was a meeting I have from nine to 10. From t- at 10 o'clock, I actually had to go meet with fifth grade to share the information about Project Lead the Way so that they would know exactly what was being expected of them. 10.45, I pulled a small group of bilingual students who had tested at very, um, very early levels of English acquisition because I was doing some differentiated work with them with a program that we had called Wells. And so I did that group of kids because the teachers were struggling trying to find a place to fit it into their schedules consistently. So I met with them twice a week. Then I actually did some visiting um, of different classrooms in the afternoon. And at 145, I have here 
Third grade will visit fourth grade for instructional rounds. So we always tried to integrate instructional rounds as part of our practice. And we did have grade levels visit different grade levels. We also had teachers visit other teachers. You know, we tried to mix it up so people were seeing different kinds of things all of the time. So in this case, we were focusing on getting grade levels to visit the grade level above them, except for fifth grade, obviously did not do that. They came down to um, a primary grade or lower grade. I think they probably went to fourth. So poor fourth grade um, got uh, burdened with two grades to visit them, but it was very helpful for us to have that information to talk about. Tuesday, of course, I show that I have PLC and I have here first, third, and fifth. And I don't have all my PLC plans in this, this calendar. I just have that we were meeting with PLC. And then I made a note data binders because I think I was collecting data binders on that day because our teachers would reflect on their assessments and then they would hand them in and I would give them any feedback that could help them think about this differently. I do have a note at 1230 in between two PLC sessions that I was going to visit two fifth grade classrooms that I had struggled to get into, um, that it seemed like every time I visited them, they were doing something that I didn't know what it was. So I was like, okay, maybe this will be a better time. So I was trying to see what was going on during literacy or social studies at that time. And I made a note to visit them at that time. Then after PLC and after the school day ends, I have a note that says, um, read the book study book because we conducted book studies at different times throughout the year. So we were doing a book study at this time. So I had to read my book study book after school on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I show here that in the morning, um, we're going to have our book study meeting. We're going to talk about our book study findings in our leadership team. It was like a bonus meeting. I also am collecting uh, K3 data binders. So I think I collected certain data binders on Tuesday and others on Wednesday, and I was going to respond to them at some point in the day. I have here um, to take pictures of, um, I have behavior pictures. And so what this is, is we created a behavior plan where uh, it was kind of an aligned system that our teachers were going to follow so that kids always knew what was expected of them in different environments across the school. And what I wanted to do was take pictures and videos so that I could share those during a learning Thursday or during PLCs where teachers could benefit from each other and see how they had implemented things. So I kind of went around the school and said, okay, well, these teachers use the management system for the materials. This teacher, I'm going to take a little video of how she lines their student, her students up based on the program. And then I could share them with other people so they could see things in action. So that's what I did early that morning. Then at 1045, I met with my fourth grade Wells group again. 12 o'clock, I have um, here that I'm going to visit two second grade classrooms. And then I'm going to take a video of another second grade classroom for that learning Thursday. At 1230, I'm visiting one second grade teacher and two fifth grade teachers. The same ones that I had tried to visit the day before seemed like it didn't work out. So I tried again on Wednesday. And then um, at three, I probably took some time when I came back to write little notes to them about what I saw in their teaching and some things that I thought were great and also some constructive ideas like maybe we could try this or what do you think about this? And then at three o'clock, I show tryouts in the library. This was a stressful year for me because I also was uh, partnered up with someone and we were in charge of the um, of a sort of a holiday program that we had to do in December and I had to write it and then we had to teach the drama kids and create the drama club and get them to perform it and it was in front of the entire school and it was massive at the high school. It was huge. So we had our tryouts that day at three o'clock in the library after school. On Thursday, the 20th from 740 at 745, I show that fifth grade visited fourth grade. So we had our fifth grade teachers go back and visit our fourth grade teachers for instructional rounds. 
I also show like random things that tasks that had to be done after that time. I've got check data sheet from leadership meeting, visit these two classrooms and discuss with the teachers. I actually was going to confer with the teachers about some of their teaching practices and have coaching cycle work there. Print materials for, for the principal based on the data because she wanted to see data for something. So I was going to take it to her. Um, at one o'clock, I have during fourth grade PE, they would go visit fifth grade. So for fifth grade visited fourth grade in the morning during fourth grade PE, they went and visited fifth grade in the afternoon. And so we talked a little bit about um, how uh, what we saw. I had a debriefing meeting with them because I was their grade level liaison. And so I sat with them, discussed what they saw and what implications there were for teaching. Then after school, I show um, Learning Thursday content is behavior. So that behavior meeting that I had been planning for the past few days where I was recording different things from different classrooms, that's what we did after school on Thursday. So it was from three to four. On Friday, I show that I collect the last round of binders on that day, and I need to provide feedback with those uh, in, on those binders at some point during the day. And then in the morning, I had a training at our central office with fourth grade, and it was our um, it was a specific writing assessment tool that we were using. So I had to go with them. I think it was our bi bilingual students. I had to go with our teachers to make sure that we were collecting writing samples and scoring them in the proper way. And I had to go do that at central office, and that was from eight thirty to eleven thirty, and then in in the afternoon, I returned back to campus. I gave comments on the documents. I met with two teachers. I'm showing that I met with two of the teachers that I have visited um, one of the previous days of that week to talk a little bit about what we saw going on in their classrooms and what kinds of ways I could support them. And then I have a random collection of things that just need to be done, like email the coaches for our upcoming meeting on November 10th, uh, make sure our PLC plans are prepared for Tuesday because I didn't leave Friday until I was ready for Tuesday because I never knew what Monday might bring. I know that might sound a little wild. I also have a, a pumpkin contest in the library that was was going to be due soon. So I needed to create a document to show kids, hey, the due date is coming up. And um, I had to set up um, a form for it. Teachers could submit their song choices for our holiday program that was going to be happening at the end of December and send that out. The following week was even wilder. We had our pumpkins due for their contest. I had a training at central office. We had our steam carnival, which was, <laughs> I had to create a whole mad scientist lab. We were there from like three till I don't even know what time building a mad scientist lab in the science lab. And it was <laughs> Family night was coming up. We had more instructional rounds that Monday, PLC Tuesday. It was a wild week. So if ever you feel like, oh my goodness, what is happening to me right now? This schedule is getting away from me. It does happen. And it happens. There are certain times of the year where we see it happen more. But I want you to remember that if we know what we're trying to focus on, we can pull our schedule back to square one and say, okay, all this stuff is going on. And that's true. But if I have two hours that I can figure out what to do with, I need to know what's important to me. So I'm going to go back and look and see, okay, what do I want to focus on this year? What are my goals? What is my vision? What strategies am I focusing on to make sure that I'm meeting teachers' needs so that you can fill those two hours with the most essential thing instead of filling it with random tasks? That's why I created the Instructional Coaching Startup course, is to make sure that at the beginning of the year, we're setting ourselves up with a plan that we can come back to all year and that we are doing the right things those first 20 days to prepare us for success the rest of the school year because things can get away from us if we don't know what our foundation is. So let's build that foundation the first month and you'll know what is important to you the rest of the year. I'm going to introduce my next um, 
guests. I have three fantastic coaches who are here to share with us today about their coaching schedules. They all coach different things. They all coach different grades and they all coach in different places. So uh, definitely listen in to the rest of this episode to hear from these awesome coaches. And I will hear from you again next week. Happy coaching. So I would love to welcome my guest today, David White. Um, David, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello. Hey, Chrissy. My name is David. I am over here in Central California, um, married. I got two beautiful kids. And I've been in education for about 15 years now. Um, a little bit of background in mentoring and life coaching. And so when this role was opened, it just seemed like a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. Well, it sounds like you're really loving your work. Yeah. Yeah, I've had, uh, it's been a gift, a dream role. Um, and I know not everybody can say that. Um, but I just also want to plug in for you, Chrissy. It's it's also been, uh, you've, you've helped out a lot. Um, I've had the gift of teaching in two different school districts under um, amazing leadership, but very different leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, gotten to teach all the way from, kindergarten to eighth grade, but primarily sixth grade for that entire, entire time. And, and I'll tell you what, that, uh, that through these different opportunities, um, it's just been a, it's just been a great step to step into this role. And you've helped me along the way. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. Um, What grades and subjects do you coach right now? So currently I'm at a site, I'm a site-based coach. Mm-hmm. And I coach TK or transition to kindergarten through sixth grade at an elementary school here in California and all subjects. So literacy, math, even a little bit of PE earlier this year, I'm modeling and collaborating with some teachers on implementing like PE into their daily routine or weekly routine. Um, but there's been a focus at our site for math. And so that has kind of been my wheelhouse and my my priority is furthering teachers' experience and strategy with math instruction. All right. I love it. So what are your main responsibilities in your position? You know, where does your time go most of the day? Yeah. So I guess what, with most coaches, we've come from either a teaching background or whatever, but coming from an incredibly structured position mm-hmm. like teaching into a role that's kind of like a blank slate um learning early on i had to define my role my responsibilities my schedule um i've had the opportunity to mold it and shape it um but primarily my responsibility is to encourage and equip and empower teachers and hopefully cultivating some sort of passion, purpose, perseverance for them, and ultimately transforming teachers at my site and creating great experiences for kids and mm-hmm. um, transforming the school. So so that's kind of like a little statement I like to say to myself. Mm-hmm. But as far as responsibilities, um, this is the greatest job because we have the responsibility to improve the experience of teachers. And I think most of your listeners understand or know that the teacher's role 
is challenging. And so our primary role is to come alongside mm-hmm. and make that experience even better so that students are learning. I wanted to just also share that. Um, so part of my responsibilities are working with teachers, obviously, coaching cycles, coaching conversations, get to collaborate with some PLCs every now and then. Um, learning experiences like providing professional learning or modeling, co-teaching. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you know, Chrissy, as a coach, some days you walk around and like, what am I doing today? You know, what's the, what is my responsibility today? And coming from a high structured role where they're right. giving it to you, mm-hmm. the blank slate is, can sometimes be a little bit, um, a little bit scary and, and difficult. Absolutely. Yes. I do have to say, you might want to consider starting your own podcast, like five minute motivation from David or something for instructional (laughs) coaches. (laughs) Because I do think that that the way you speak about your work with so much joy and purpose, I think is, it can be hard. We all go through those seasons where it's hard to find that, you know? So Mm, I think that's that's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And you're totally right. It is moving from like, in your classroom, every minute you have scheduled every minute of the day, you know what you're doing every minute of the day to where you don't even right. get to go to the bathroom is what your day looks like. Right. Yeah. And then you move to coaching and it's like, okay, well you have this, this, and this that is scheduled for you like meetings or whatever. And then sure. you've got these chunks of space and you're like, uh Oh, like, okay, where do I, I have to choose how to spend yeah. this time, you know? Um, what does your schedule because, because oh, Chrissy, because mm-hmm. be, oh, I was just going to add, because we have these chunks of time that without direction, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes we just meander around and like, we couldn't go to the bathroom whenever we wanted. Now I'm going to the bathroom 15 times in a row. Cause I'm like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Guilty pleasures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I you can do again. <laughs> without yeah you can go get another cup of coffee you can definitely when you don't say okay well what am I setting out to accomplish this week what is my main purpose then definitely we can feel like I don't even know what to do with myself and then sometimes you have those weird little chunks of time that you just it's not enough time for you to do one thing but you know too much time it, it, you're like right in the middle exactly. and you're going right. okay I have like 12 minutes you know what am I to do for 12 minutes. Yeah. I feel guilty about not doing anything for 12 minutes. So it, it, right. Is, right. it is a weird spot to be in and a big transition from teaching for sure. Um, how have you figured out your schedule sort of like, what does your schedule look like, you know, on an average day or week, you know, I mean, it can be multiple days. Cause I know that yeah. those days look, probably look very different. Um, so what do you, what does it look like in general? Yeah. So I learned early on that I had to keep myself accountable somehow, Chrissy. Yeah. And so I, um, early on, I actually create, I kind of made this mental note. I said, I need to keep myself accountable. Who's going to keep me accountable. And I looked at my direct admin, my, my supervisor. And I said, okay, I don't have to do this. And I know there's some coaches that kind of have to do stuff like this, but I said, every Friday, I'm going to pen. I'm going to put together an email with what coaching conversations I've had this week, what classes I visited this week, any cycles I'm working through with teachers, any professional learning I gave, any teams I'm working with. And 
my professional development. So how am I growing? And so I send that list every Friday. I don't have to. Mm -hmm. She never asked me to do that. But it's for me. It's to keep me accountable. And so early on, I learned that it is really important as a coach to be a self-starter, uh, mm -hmm. to be purposeful, to be intentional. Um, for me, my schedule pretty much every single day it starts the same. I have my morning duty. I go back into my, my little room I, and I kind of make a, a list of the must-dos and the may-dos. So like the must-dos, I kind of, I need to do these. Mm -hmm. They're in my schedule. I got to do this. And then the may-dos that, hey, if I have that 12-minute slot, I might be able to slip this in or do this here. Um, and a lot of them, they start the same. They, you know, a lot of them have the same like routines and um, like some of those are, are class walks. So every day I'm doing some sort of class walks. Um, every day I'm pursuing some sort of coaching conversation. Mm -hmm. If I don't have one planned, then I'm planning on getting the next one. Uh, and then just kind of like finding time to have just coaching conversations. Um, every day I'm doing some sort of team collaboration, whether that be a PLC, a grade level team, uh, or maybe it's the leadership team. Um, maybe it's a group of coaches in my district because I'm only, there's only one at my site, but there's a group of coaches in our district that mm -hmm. we meet up with every now and then. So some sort of collaboration. And then every day I'm doing some sort of personal development. So whether that be polishing up on standards uh, or reading a book or honing in on some coaching strategies or listening to a podcast, I find myself that I have the gift of building that into my routine right now. Mm -hmm. And so my schedule, as you know, and as our, your listeners know, it is very different day to day. But there are certain routines and structures that I've placed in my schedule that I find myself doing on a regular basis. I love that. <clears throat> I think that you're trying to, you're saying, okay, these are the important things that are going to help me do my job. I'm not doing my job if I'm not doing these things. And I'm going to try to make time for them every day or at least every few days because some things, you know, there may be throughout the week you have a day that's really heavy in one area and less so in another area, but you're trying to make sure you're getting to them every week. I just think that's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Aligning it with your purpose is good too. Like saying that, okay, this is what I'm here to accomplish. So then how can I make sure that I am doing these things that are going to help me accomplish this in the long run? Because we set these long-term goals. And then we don't look at them until the end of the year, right? And then we're like, right. oh, well, I should have really done more of this or more of that. So if we take those big goals and we break them down into smaller pieces and say this quarter, I'm going to focus on this, this month, I'm going to focus mm -hmm. on this piece of that goal, then every week we can make sure we're we're working on a part of that goal. So we're actually moving in that direction. Yeah, exactly. It's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? Yes. A piece at a time. That's and right. if the elephant is uh you know higher cast scores or, or you know these huge mm -hmm. things that is like i can't do that in 12 minutes but what can i do in 12 minutes well i could be leaving some feedback with the teacher i could be meeting and so it is breaking these huge massive priorities into bite-sized chunks mm -hmm. and 
Chrissy, you mentioned my like like this vision or keeping these things in front. And so three buckets that I like to continually refer back to and almost filter anything I do through through these three buckets is I, I said it earlier, but like my job is to encourage. My job is to um, equip mm-hmm. and my job is to empower. And so with whatever I do, I try to filter it and I try to sift it and organize it into those three buckets. So even like a daily task, like today, today's Wednesday, how, who am I going to encourage today? How am I going to encourage them? How am I going to equip people today? What am I going to do to equip? And then what am I going to do to empower teachers? And so, uh, you know, maybe encouraging is, is class walks, leaving nice notes, saying, hey, I noticed this. Mm-hmm. When you did this, students were, in, you know, you know, 19 out of 20 students were engaged when you did that. So like leaving positive notes. Maybe uh, I do a weekly newsletter and like spotlighting a teacher to encourage, right? A lot of like, and, you know, also with encourage is building a, co- a culture of coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I, here I walk in, hey, let me tell you how to do your job because I'm better. No, that's, that doesn't fly. But when you build their trust, when they say this guy's for me or this coach supports me, this coach actually thinks highly of me. The door is wide open. And so a lot of my role, especially this year, has been encouraging. And then we go to equipping, right? What does equipping look like? Well, um, providing feedback, uh, focused feedback, maybe being a, um, maybe, you know, we do like a, a, I I work at a school called Powers, which is kind of a cool name, Um, but Powers teacher power up. So leading power ups and some, you know, I know some coaches do like a weekly learning Wednesday or whatever. I've heard you mention. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, But like leading PLs. So what is the latest and greatest strategies, right? How do we deliver the same information, but with a, in a more effective way? Um, how do I equip? Uh, and then the last one is empower, which, which as you, as you know, is, is probably the most important piece because as a coach, my, my main goal is not to be the center of attention is not to be the know-it-all is not to be the the wizard, mm-hmm. the the person who comes into the class, kids are listening, they leave, and they go back to how they were. Our main goal as coaches is to empower the teachers, to make it feel like they are the greatest, to make them feel like they are the ones who came up with ideas, to make it feel like what they're doing is working. And I think, I think, and I've learned Chrissy and I'm, and, and I'm preaching over here, like, Oh, here's what I do. But I've learned a lot that you could damage. If you walk about coaching in a, in a mm-hmm. kind of an incorrect way, you can not only damage relationships, but you can damage confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've learned that the most, important thing to do as a coach is to empower the teachers. Um, And so going back to a schedule is what I'm doing. Does it, where does it fit in those three words? Encourage, equip, empower. And then am I hitting those? 
daily micro waves Mm -hmm. and then like weekly and then monthly and then quarterly and then like in a year in a year what do i want to accomplish so it's kind of going back to what we had talked about earlier is like these huge priorities these big things that you can't do in one day but breaking them up into smaller chunks Mm -hmm. i love that i love that you're are looking at the important things that you're trying to do and saying, okay, then I have this small chunk of time. I can use it to further this goal that I have of working with teachers mm. in this way. I can visit a classroom that I know the teacher has been struggling and I can pop in and, you know, say something encouraging or leave them a nice note or, you know, say, Hey, I'm seeing, look at the, what the kids are doing right now. This is great. I know some days are hard, but this is happening, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that you're doing that because that's forefront in your mind is, is your purpose. And if we have yeah. a purpose, we can figure out how to use our time. As, if we have a purpose, we never have enough time <laughs> because, right. you know, we always have something we could be doing towards this end, but at least we know we're working towards that end every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then in those, like, like you mentioned earlier, Hey, I got seven minutes until mm-hmm. my next meeting, or I got 12 minutes. It's not enough time to do this. It's not enough time to do that. Um, I like to have a little list of like defaults, mm-hmm. right? So like, what are things that is in my control that I don't need a teacher to come over here for coaching? I Things that can fit into a two minute slot or a five minute slot or a 10 minute slot. Because I found that if I don't have defaults, then I'm just waiting for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll be honest, in the early days when I was waiting for the next thing, I was a whole waste of time. <laughs> I would be walking around. I'd, you know, like I said, I'd go to the bathroom again just because I could waiting for that next meeting, wash mm-hmm. my hands, check my emails again. So having a, a list of like, here are the defaults. If I find myself with nothing to do, here's my go-tos. One of them is I could always do a class walk. Mm-hmm. I have a I've built a relationship with my site. They know I can come in whenever I want and I can do a class walk. I can fit a teacher in, you know, five to 10 minutes off to my next meeting, leaving an, you know, leaving a, a note of feedback or a little treat or something. It's easy. Um, so that's one default. Next default is myself, professional development, mm-hmm. right? Having something to go to. Maybe I read a book. Like I said, maybe it's this or that. Um, but the last one that I think is really important, um, especially in this role as coach is being visible. And so like, do I just go out to recess? Like maybe I'll just go out to recess and, and play basketball with the kids. Maybe I'll just after school, I'll be walking by, I'll be in the staff lounge so that not only students are seeing whoever this guy is so that if he shows up, they're not alarmed, but teachers I want the teachers to see that, oh, hey, yeah, he's coaching, but he's also really visible, like he's around. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I don't know, sometimes there's a reputation that a coach doesn't really do too much or they're just, you know, and we are, we're like in classrooms, we're doing things, but we're when we're not seen, people think things. And so class walks is a default, my own personal professional development, and then how can I be visible? right now. Great questions and great idea. I like that you have that little list and I agree you have those few minutes here and there. And if you don't, you don't have an idea of what you can do that's valuable during that time, then you do fritter it away. 
you check your email 50 times. But if you know, oh, well, these are, these are the tasks that I can do when I have an odd handful of minutes and, um, and they'll be purposeful and they will still make a, a big impact and build towards the thing I'm building, then yeah, you can use yeah. that time. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. So do you want to add anything, David? No, I think okay. we're good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing everything today. I think this is going to be really helpful and um, I'm excited to put it together with the other coaches and get a you know picture of what different coaches do. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, Chrissy. And I'll say it again, but thank you. This is actually my first year, my first role as a coach coming out of the classroom for uh, close to 15 years and coming into a brand new position uh, and this, this is a new position. Like we've had district coaches, we've had math coaches, we've had ELA coaches. We have not had a site coach. And mm -hmm. so coming in blank slate, I did not really know who to turn to or where to go. And I stumbled upon buzzing with Miss B <laughs> and you have really been, um, a help during this time. So anyway, that's all I wanted to just share. I just wanted to thank you publicly for all your work. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So my second guest is Michelle Rui. And Michelle, I would love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. So I am an educator of 23 years. I spent 15 years in the classroom, elementary, all elementary. I had an interesting path where I began in kindergarten and then I looped to first grade. After a few years, I looped to second, and then I went up to fourth. So I went in that nice trajectory um, on purpose, which I probably will get into in a little bit. Um, after that, I spent five years as a K-5 literacy interventionist, where I did reading and writing and a lot of phonics intervention. And now uh, this is my third year is as a literacy coach, also in an elementary K-5 building. I love it. Um, so what grades and subjects do you currently coach? You said K-5, is that right? And it's just literacy? It's just literacy, nice. although I feel like literacy is 25 subjects in one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's the big one. <laughs> so yes, I work all the way from kindergarten to fifth grade uh, with those teachers and special education teachers around the building as well. So okay, great. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I did when I was a campus coach. I was a literacy coach, K-5, and that included anybody in K-5. So Yeah, I should mention it's about around 40 teachers that I work okay. that I interact with. Yeah, that's really good to know because that does determine how you spend your time, right? So yeah. what are the main responsibilities that you focus on in your position? What takes up most of your time? Honestly, what takes, those are two different answers. <laughs> what takes up yeah. most of my time are all the meetings that I have to attend. Mm -hmm. So that time has to be blocked out right away. Um, so, so that happens. Then um, after that, what takes up mo the majority of my time is, a, is I'm in classrooms. I, I do a lot to schedule myself to be in classrooms as much of the day as possible. Um, but luckily it's sort of, it, it's hard and it's, nice. It works out where there are blocks of the day, like lunch, for example, I can't be in classrooms because mm -hmm. everybody's at in lunch mm -hmm. or math is usually kind of lined up at the same time. So I can't go into classrooms during those times, which is helpful to me because then I can work on those other projects like developing PD, which takes, mm -hmm. a, that's probably the next biggest chunk of my time 
after being in, in classrooms and in coaching cycles with teachers, it's planning the professional development for sure. Yeah. And that does take time. It takes more, I feel like for every hour of PD actually spent training teachers or in workshops or whatever, it took like two hours to prepare for that because you want every moment to be so meaningful and perfect. It does. And I do, I don't do a lot of like one topic PD either. I do a lot of um, like, I have one coming up next week, actually, that I'm preparing for. And so I'm developing actually eight sub sessions mm-hmm. within the session. Nice. So that, that takes a lot yes. of work. <laughs> yeah. And when you're, you're differentiating, cause you have all of your grades there and you're like, I, don't, I want this to be meaningful and kinder and fifth don't really need to hear the same thing. Not at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I try to be very responsive and listening to teachers about what's on their mind, what they're Mm -hmm. most in need of. Um, Every, every, there's Thursdays, every day of every week on Thursdays, I'm in PLC meetings the entire Mm -hmm. day. But that gives me an awesome opportunity to hear what needs are arising for teachers that I can then develop professional development for to be most responsive. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So can you walk us through your schedule? And I know it's going to look different, you know, different times of the year, different days, even different weeks, but what does your schedule look like? Maybe across a week, what does it look like? So typically, like I said, the first thing I do have to do is block out the times I'm at meetings. Mm -hmm. So um, PLCs are always blocked out. So that's one day of the week gone. Um, I have Friday afternoons are leadership team meetings. I have to block that out. Uh, coaches me. I'm also part of the coaches in our district and we Mm -hmm. meet twice a month. So that's blocked out so that, and then at lunch duty. So (laughs) all of that is first blocked out to give me an idea of where, where, what I have left. And then from there, I really prioritize my time in the classroom with teachers first. Um, Many times I'm in, I'm in classrooms doing coaching cycles or co-teaching with them. And so that time is blocked out and my teachers have been really gracious and understanding that I need a good, I need it on the calendar weeks in advance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that nothing gets in the way. Uh, so those kind of standing appointments are, are usually in place. Then I take a look at the schedule and see, okay, what grade level is free during the times I have open? Um, not free and in, in like unencumbered, but where can I go in and watch and get and sit on the floor with kids and get and dig into the learning with them. Um, and I try to do a variety of times. I try to sometimes see their reading block. I some, sometimes their word study block, sometimes their writing block. I try to see a variety of things across the grades. So I'm very intentional about who's available when and plugging those times into my available schedule. Um, so it helps me to have like a, a month at a time out, like planned out. Then the remaining times are those times that teachers are not available for me uh, and neither are kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does help with my role. It's very, very clearly defined. I don't work with children as an interventionist at all. So that time that's lucky for me. I know not every coach has that luxury, um, but I do. So then those remaining times are, are when I then can plan professional development or big projects I've got going on uh, meet with, I always have a, you know, have to squeeze in time to meet with my administrator every week. So uh, my planning time is always last. Right. Yeah. You yeah. fit it in whenever you have, you're just not able to do all the other things. Cause the other things have to happen at a certain time. Like you're saying, if, if kids are yeah. present, if teachers are present, there are certain things you can do. And when kids are not present, there are certain things that you can get done. And so, yeah, it depends on, on the schedule of the school. Careful. And I, I think I learned this from you actually <laughs> is 
planning out um, your projects, your big projects, mm-hmm. and 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 putting milestones in place that you want to have done at a certain time. So then again, having that long range view on my calendar, I can plug those milestones yeah. in and actually schedule, even if it's 15 minutes at a time, I can ver- be very specific about like, you know, researching high frequency word mm-hmm. construction or whatever it is. And then the next time I add a layer. So that stair-stepping of the big projects and putting those milestones in place and on my calendar over the mm-hmm. weeks is the only way that I get it all done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like you have these big goals and you say, okay, I need to come back to these every week or they're just going to float away and my time is gone. It frittered it on something else. Yeah. Um, so what does a date, can you give us like an example of like a Monday versus a Thursday or something like that? Like what your actual schedule looks like? Can you walk us through a day? So you're looking for two days that aren't set up, don't have meetings, correct? Well, it could have meetings. I mean, unless so, it's meetings all day, because that probably wouldn't be very interesting right, to talk right. about. So it, those are the, those kinds of days are actually relatively um, similar. It's just that my blocks, like I might be in kindergarten for you know Monday, most of the day. Mm-hmm. And then on Wednesday, it might be fourth and fifth grade, depending on the coaching cycle that I'm in with, with teachers at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then, so on those times that I'm not in, in the classrooms with teachers, like um, predetermined, then I, I, that's when I plug in when I go visit other times of the day and other grade levels. And I try to be, I, I really do have to schedule that like yeah. down to, I can't just say, go see third grade writing. I have to literally plug in the teacher's name because there's so many that I've got six and seven teachers per grade level. Mm-hmm. So I plug in, who am I going to see at those times? And that's also a reminder for me to have their names on there so that I can um, give them a heads up. I never like to pop in as a surprise. Um, we're not there yet as a staff. So yeah. I, I don't, I, and it, it doesn't feel right. So I just like to, you know, Hey, Chrissy, do you mind if I pop in at eight o'clock this morning to come and watch your word study, you know? Mm-hmm or the day before. So having their names on the calendar in front of me is the only way that that happens either. If it was just open as like third grade, I couldn't get that done. And I think that would cause problems with the relationships. Yeah, I totally agree with um with having it nailed down exactly what you're going to do, because that discretionary time can, it, it passes and then you've like missed your opportunity. And then mm-hmm. that happens every day, right? We have very small amounts of time sometimes that if you don't maximize it, that you've mm-hmm. missed the opportunity to see that one thing that you really needed to see. And it, I got, I have to say, it took me some time to to have, to grow the guts to do that. Mm-hmm. As a brand new coach, mm-hmm. I felt like I can't do that. I was just, I wasn't sure. And I was sort of like twiddling my thumbs with my time because that's the big problem that I think happens is as a classroom teacher, while you do have autonomy over your schedule for the most part, it's so it's really not in your control mm-hmm. and, and things, you know, you have to go to lunch at 1157 and recess right. at one fourteen, like ridiculous. Yes. Um, but then suddenly you have all this open time as a coach and no one's telling you exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know quite how to um, get into classrooms as, as a new coach to the building and new to the position, but it didn't take long to figure out that I had to get, I had to do something to get this in place. Um, mm-hmm. And now that's been my routine for two and a half years. Okay. So then how did you, 
how do you decide how to use that discretionary time? Do you look and say, okay, we're working on word study. And so like, that's a big focus for this semester. So I need to make sure I, I, you know, really get into more classrooms to look at that and see what's happening. So I, I can prepare PD that responds to it or mm-hmm. what is it that you do? So I actually sit down with my literacy team um, at the end of the year in May and look at wh- where are we? Um, let me back up. The first year that I came, I took just the time to observe and watch and gather mm-hmm. data. And so what I did pretty quickly is develop like a three-year goal plan mm-hmm. across all the parts of the literacy day. Here's where we are. And I use data collection. I used walkthrough data collection and um, your idea of the ghost walkthroughs, things like that. Um, you know, uh, testing data. I used every piece of data I could gather. And then I made three-year goals for my for the school, along with my literacy team. It wasn't just me. But mm-hmm. then I back I I backtracked. Okay, where do we want to be? And mm-hmm. year before that, year before that, year before that. Um, and that's a very team. Um, oriented process. I met with my administration team on that, all of it. From there, I knew where my first year's goals were going to be. And that's how I, way before the school year even started for the following year, I developed my professional development plan. And I liked, uh, I try to keep the same topic at least for a semester Mm -hmm. so we can dig deeper into it. And because um, that lends itself to coaching cycles on that topic. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've done now for two years. Uh, and I already know where we're, where we're going next year, um, with, with PD and it's been very effective. There's a lot of flexibility in that though, because, you know, I have, um, like my newsletter is also a form of PD. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, uh, something I call pop-up PD where, you know, just listening and, and, and responding to what the needs are. And I will do just literally a pop-up PD like next week. Hey, we're going to learn about this topic. I'm hearing you talk about this. It's completely mm-hmm. voluntary. It's only 30 minutes at a, at a time. Um, I've worked with the district to offer uh, CEU credit for it as a, you know, thank you. So there's still that flexibility in there, but my overarching goals are, are pretty set so that we don't lose sight and we can just keep marching forward. So then when you have that discretionary time, you try to tie it back to your goals. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Always. And I, and I, with that discretionary time too, like I, I have those big goals. What formal PD am I developing? What mm-hmm. mini PD am I developing? What newsletter topics? So there's always something to work on mm-hmm. towards those goals. Always. Mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself from spending too much time in your office because that's an easy, like we love to learn and we love to, like, I love to give PD. Um, and I, I'm a big planner. I love to plan. So what, how do you pull yourself out of that and make sure you get in those classrooms? I think that's one of the reasons I quickly figured out I had to write down on my calendar mm-hmm. who I'm going to go see and when. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, ha- I also learned quickly to pr- give my own self some time for planning because I was doing it on the weekends yes. and at home too much, mm-hmm. which was also a problem. So now I found the balance. Um, but I found pretty quickly and it was hard to admit, but I had to admit it. I was using that excuse. I'm so busy. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do mm-hmm. this because I was avoiding the uncomfortableness yes. of getting into classrooms so that I didn't have relationships with. Yeah. Can totally so, relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took me just that um it took me a semester to figure this out. And then I started plotting it and I was very open with the teachers and said, Hey, I'm just, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to get into classrooms more often now. 
I need to see what, where the kids are, what, what the learning is going on is like mm-hmm. and how your kids are responding. Um, and it really, it's been very easy now. It's, it's people I'm never in my office ever. <laughs> so people know, um, they have to text me or Marco Polo me or, <laughs> cause they're not going to find you. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing about this. I, I love that you shared your thought process about how you figure out where you're going to be all day um, and the realities of blocking off those timeframes that they're just not in your control because that's the reality of coaching in a school. It's, I mean, it's lovely to say, oh, I'm going to spend 80% of my time in classrooms, but it's also not probably realistic no. whenever at least 25% of your time is spent in meetings. Exactly. Yep. Now, how can people find you online to learn more? Because I know you have a fantastic account that you can share with people. I do. Um, so yeah, I have, I'm just in an effort to help as many teachers I can, as I can. I have um, a website where there's a blog and there's, I offer some coaching services too. You can find that at coachfromthecouch.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram quite a lot. That is coach underscore from the couch. So um, I'd love to hear from people and support them. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Michelle. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lindsay. Absolutely. Would you introduce yourself to our listeners so they get a little idea about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am Lindsay Casperbauer. I am a high school instructional coach here in uh, Dallas Center Grimes, Iowa. This is actually my first year as being a coach. I previously was a science teacher and I have loved it so far this year. And I am fortunate enough to have a partner coach with me who also is at the high school. So it's been a really fun journey this year so far. That's awesome. So can you, what what exactly do you coach? Like what does your role include? Mm -hmm. So I am, I don't have specific areas that I focus on in the high school. So really it's all teachers in the whole high school. Anybody who wants to essentially improve their craft, anything that has to do with they're teaching, they reach out to us and we work with them one-on-one. We do work with PLCs also in our building. We have um, six PLCs, kind of our main core areas that we also help work with. But um, otherwise it all has to do with instruction and a lot of assessment data. We work with them too. So it's a little bit of everything. Okay. So your main responsibilities are coaching individual teachers, supporting PLCs and looking at data and assessments. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So what does your schedule actually look like, like on any given day? I know, I know it's going to be different every day, but you know, yeah. if you can give us a couple examples, it would be great. Yeah. So we are, our high school is a little bit different in the fact that we are a four by four schedule. So that kind of dictates okay. everything that I do of, we have four main class periods a day mm-hmm. for nine weeks. So kids only take four classes at a time. So my schedule will look like I kind of have a couple reoccurring meetings throughout, like every other week with principals, building leadership, our whole district instructional coaches get together once every week. But a typical day is going to be me going into different teachers rooms um, to either support them or observe them in different ways that they've looked at. So like, for example, today, my schedule started off with our building leadership team having a meeting. Um, just talking about how the year has gone. And then I went straight into a meeting with a teacher who was interested in talking about how they can get their kids talking more in her class. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of a follow-up from a PD that we had. And then I went into with a first-year teacher who asked me to go with them 
to go observe a different teacher to kind of just look okay. at different strategies, engagement strategies. So that was in a classroom. The first one was in um, my office. And then I just finished up a conversation with another teacher, a coaching conversation in my office that had to focus on like some, they wanted to have kids feel more welcome in their room. They wanted to make sure that's kids feel welcome. So it's a little bit of running everywhere, just wherever mm-hmm. the teachers need me, I run too. So there's never a set schedule. It depends on whatever anybody asked me to do. So today mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of downtime. Um, but a lot of days I do have a lot of like chunks of time where I am in my office or going to check on somebody. So, yeah. So that downtime that you have or that discretion, it's like really discretionary time. It's like, this is an open time that you have to figure out what to do with it. Absolutely. How do you yep. decide how to use that time? Um, I kind of look at my planner is my, my like third arm. I don't have yes. I'm across, so, but I, I have it. my planner. I have kind of a list that I start every week with of like priority lists of, so like right now, something that's towards the top right now is on Monday, we have a full professional development day. And so I have some things I need to prepare for the staff professional development. So I kind of put the task I need to do and then when I need to do it by. And so I always go back to that priority list of what needs to get done first for whoever teacher principal. And then I kind of go from there. It's every once in a while, there's a couple lulls in the year where it's like, I really don't have a ton to do. So during that time, it's me saying, okay, where can I get better? So it's like, what personal learning can I do either for a different teacher? Or since I am a first year coach, how can I look through some, read my coaching impact cycle book or something like that, where it's kind of self-motivated. What do I feel like I need to work on the most at that time? So Mm -hmm. how much of your, of that time is like principal wants you to do random things, Mm -hmm. you know, that have just have to be done by somebody and you are the person who has to do them. (laughs) Yeah. I would say I do have some of that. I have kind of one major task that is not coaching. It's me handling our intervention system that we have that flexi sched is what it's called. So our scheduling of our, those intervention periods, I'm kind of the admin on that. So I'd say that probably takes throughout my week, probably an hour of my time if it's just a normal week. Um, but otherwise not a ton of little things, lunch duty. I have to do every once in a while. If my principal Mm -hmm. has to step away, um, like he just looked at me a minute ago and I saw him wanting to grab me, but he saw that I was busy. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You can pretend you're talking to the computer for another hour after we're done. If you'd like. (laughs) And so not a ton of it, I would say maybe 10% to maybe on a busy week. Like if we have something big going on at school, like ISF or state testing, something Mm -hmm. like that, then it like ramps up to like, right. 30%, 40%, but average, I would say like 15, maybe. Okay. Okay. So then you're, you're able to kind of set your, a lot of your schedule. You're able Mm -hmm. to figure out a lot of, of where to spend your time. Yeah, for sure. It's very Mm -hmm. much, what do I need to get done and what teachers do I want to work with? And it's also me reaching out to find teachers to work with because it's Mm -hmm. all voluntary. So how can I invite them in to work with me and then, and go from there? What are some of the ways that you have invited teachers to work with you? Because if other coaches are, I'm just asking because, you know, Mm -hmm. there are coaches who have a similar model that it's Mm -hmm. like invitation only and Mm -hmm. teachers are not approaching them Mm -hmm. and um, they're like, now what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) exactly. And it is, it's like, you have to put in the work to try to 
Mm-hmm. The number one thing is the trust and relationship building. I am going around talking to people nonstop, trying to get those relationships and being like, oh, so if you do have a question on something, you can feel free to come and ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of our main enrollment strategy that we use is after any of our professional development, we try to do like an exit ticket or something that'll say, okay, out of today's work that we did, what focus area is something that you might want to work with a coach on? Where might you be interested? And so um, our last one, we did just a half sheet of paper, had six different topics. They circled one or two. And then they, at the bottom, it said, when do you want a coach to reach out? Within a week, within two weeks later than that. Um, and then from there, we reach out via email or in person. Like we used a booking, the booking appointments on Google mm-hmm. calendar. And so then we sent the email with that and then people can just sign up for a time and then we come to them. So I would say that's probably our most successful enrollment strategy is through PD and making it kind of circle around, but otherwise being visible in our building, the amount of times we get stopped, just, yes, we have two offices, one on each end of the building. And so just walking through people be like, Oh, I have a question for you. And so it's just kind of enticing them in of, can we form this into a student center goal and then actually work through a coaching cycle and make it approachable? So I absolutely love that strategy of tying it to your PD and the end of PD because people are right there immersed in the learning and they're still interested and possibly excited. Um, And is it something everybody has to fill it out? Everybody Mm -hmm. fills it out. Yep. Everybody fills it out. And then the emails now, not everybody responds back to our email. If we send out, we essentially send out the invitation, right. Of saying, okay, you said you're excited about this. So Mm -hmm. when would you like to meet with one of us? And then some people do, some people don't. So that's where the voluntary aspect comes in of, okay, they didn't want to, we get it. And so then you just try to make something relevant to them and see, okay, they may not have wanted to with this PD. Maybe it didn't, um, go with whatever they're trying to work on, but let's try something else and make it personalized for it. Um, our first year teachers, we work with all the time and it's cause they want to, it's, they're very much go-getters, a lot of our first year teachers. And so they take up a lot of our time and we love it because they're, they want to get in other people's classrooms. They want to go through different coaching cycles to show they see the benefit of it. So it's really cool to work with them. Yeah. I love that. Um, and you mentioned, we, how are there two coaches with the same exact title? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. How so do you divide? Have, what'd you say? I was just going to ask, how do you divide your responsibilities between the two of you? Yeah. So we don't really have any specific division. Um, we partner a lot in how our, we like claim professional development, but then mm-hmm. it's like the enrollment strategy of PD after PD, we just split the staff in half randomly. Okay. Um, and then whoever, somebody might approach her one time, another person might approach me. Um, it just depends on whoever comes and asks us, or sometimes they'll ask for a specific person knowing that we have different backgrounds. So Uh I'm science. She's, she was English. So sometimes those will help us naturally go to somebody, but otherwise PLCs, we alternate who goes to which one. So then we both are in both of them. So that makes sense. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your day, your schedule and some little tips that people can walk away with. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. All right, coach. I hope that those three different coaches gave you a little bit of a framework for thinking about how you schedule your work, what your time looks like, where it goes, how you spend it. Um, I think it was so interesting to talk to these three people with their very different approaches and really think about, okay, well, what are you going to do all day? (laughs) Um, Okay. So 
I want to share a couple of things with you before we head out. The um, New Coaches Playbook is a great place to start if you are a new coach and you're unsure of what to do. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash new coach. And the playbook will walk you through a little workbook about setting up some foundational practices, as well as podcast episodes tied to each step in that process. So you can make sure that you're doing all the important things to set yourself up for success. In episode 155 next week, we're talking about getting organized and structured for the start of the year. It's an episode full of practical tips and resources that can help. I'm actually chatting with Jessica Whitaker, and she's from My Teacher Style on Instagram. So if you follow her, you're going to love this episode. Um, You can check it out next week. And I also want to tell you, I have a new Facebook group that I'm starting and we're going to do a really cool challenge this summer. Um, head to Instructional Coaching with Miss B because we are going to do a challenge that's going to help you get set up for the school year that is coming up really soon. So that's Instructional Coaching with Miss B on Facebook. I cannot wait to see you there. And until next week, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.